and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. And today we are into the final tier of the Dunkin' Egg Iceberg, a Night of the Seven Kingdoms Iceberg Tier 5. Yeah, we're going to get into the real crazy, real wild, and the real speculative jimmy here in the final tier of the iceberg and it's been fun you know this whole thing has been fun um diving back into a night of the seven kingdoms Dunkin' egg which we thought we were going to get sooner but the writer strike may have put a damper on that you know we thought we were going to get a little sooner but hey we'll get it when we get it just like winds of winter and perhaps the rest of these books but nonetheless it's been fun i've enjoyed re-diving back Rediving into this series. Yeah, definitely. And if there's anything that a Song of Ice and Fire fans are really good at, it's waiting. So uh, yeah. you know, we are a patient bunch, I would say. Um, and we will continue to be patient and continue to dive in and find new things to talk about because the, the you know these works are so rich for discussion. And it just goes to show you three novellas, and you know you can really extrapolate some wild stuff out of this. Some of it is a bit of a reach, especially our last one. Um, it's not. I'm I like not our last one. Our last one's absurd, but I kind of like it. Now, did you come up with that, or did you find that? I mean, we'll I get to it, obviously, it but we'll tease a little bit here because I had never heard it, and then you brought it up when we first started this thing, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I had seen it around uh, maybe once or twice, and uh, you know, very heavily downvoted comments on uh, Reddit and the wiki and whatnot. So um, I said we definitely have to include it, but it has to be the very last because it's so ridiculously stupid. Um, that I think that <laughs> it has to be the finale. Well, that's the point of the final tier of the iceberg. I think back to our House of the Dragon one, and we had some where people were messaging us, being like, "You guys are out of your minds," and we're like, "Hey, look, we're not <laughs> saying these things are true. We're just saying these are the wildest theories." You know, we're we just asking find. questions, bro. Okay, we just hey, yeah, we just ask the questions. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. Is Sir Duncan the Tall, a Targaryen bastard. You know, it's easy to overlook Duncan's connection to dragons simply with his proximity to the royal family, but there is much more we don't know about Duncan's upbringing. All we know is that he doesn't know who his parents are and that he grew up in Fleabottom. But what if Sir Duncan the Tall is actually a dragon himself? Simply by being in King's Landing in the close years following King Aegon IV, could make not only Duncan the Tall, but just about any kid around his age, teenager, connected to Aegon the Fourth, who said he slept with at least 900 women. So, you know, Aegon is said to have had well into the double digits of children that we officially know about or are highly speculated, and who knows just how many more are out there. Now, if you guess the given date of Sir Duncan the Tall's birth being around 191, King Aegon IV's reign of 172 to 184, it's most likely that he would be a grandchild or like a young grandchild of Aegon IV. But what would it actually mean story-wise if Duncan were a Targaryen? It would make some of his connections to the dragon dreams feel more significant if he himself were also a dragon. It could shed some light into Summerhall if he was part of this dragon ceremony that went wrong and eventually killed most of the royal family. But do we really need another secret Targaryen? I would argue that you couldn't have a theory iceberg 
in a song of ice and fire without a secret target yes it has to happen at some point and lo and behold tier five it rears its ugly head uh could it be sure is he no (laughs) i don't think he is yeah i don't i don't think he is either and this is one i kept finding over and over again and you know i mean everybody is perhaps a secret targaryen now I think, I mean, it's incredibly likely, honestly, that he actually could be simply because if King Aegon the fourth is out there sleeping with 900 women, he's going to be doing most of it in King's Landing, you know, 172, even 180, you know, 172 to 184. Remember, some of these girls are having kids at like 13, 14 in this fantasy world. So, I mean, you do the math, he could easily uh, fit into that. But I feel like part of Duncan's story is that he's not a Targaryen. Yes. Is that he's potentially this person who will be killing Targaryens or being involved in the death of Targaryens. Yeah, kind of wrapped up in the Noble House's games, if you will. Uh, very similar to Brienne of Tarth, right? I mean, she does come from a pretty studious house, but I would consider her to be an outcast child. And she has to concern herself with wards and ladies and people who have power and that want her to do things and oaths and everything else. And Dunk is very much that as well. So I think it would take away a bit from his story to be a Targaryen. Now, with that said, could he have some Targaryen blood in him? Probably. I mean, like you said, it's it's likely everyone's got a shred of Targaryen in them uh, down, down there in Flea Bottom. But he- hell, Matt, me and you might be Targaryens. Uh, we could be. Right. And especially when you dive into Reddit and everybody thinks everybody is a secret <laughs> Targaryen. I remember this one. Title. I know I, I have been, you know, I saw this one that said that, Oh God, what was it? That Alan, or what's um Elise? What's uh God. I'm blanking out right now. Sansa, her fake name. Um, oh, Allison. Allison. Wait, am, am I right about that? Allison. Can't remember now it's been so now, long. now you're blanking anyway i saw this one that said that her and daenerys were the same person because uh you never see them in the same room at the same time you know and like they're never in the same chapters or anything so it's like it's like the most absurd thing i've ever seen and somebody was trying to make like a legitimate argument for it but that's what it is that's what tier five is all about so um the name is Al- uh, elaine elaine yes Sorry. yes yes yes, there we go. yes. To- totally yeah. blank. I have. I, I just found out before we went on this podcast that I have staph infection, like a really Jesus. bad. And I feel a little off, Matt. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't feel 100% right now. And I also found <sighs> out last week, and this does make me feel a little bit better because uh, as our wonderful listeners have noticed, um, at some point I struggle reading aloud. And I've always just thought because I was stupid, which I am <laughs> still stupid. But it turns out, Matt, I have dyslexia. And I had no idea. <laughs> well, you do a great job at reading a lot of fantasy books and then, you know, talking about them. So, it's I mean, been a struggle. it's been a struggle. And I've always just thought I was slow to pick things up or slow to read. Um, but it turns out I have dyslexia. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you know that? Th- well, I don't know. Really, I don't really know what you want me to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like I say, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, like it is your uh, fault. I mean. I, I mean, I get, I, I don't know. I, you seem pretty good to me. So, I mean, I don't know. You're. I think the last time I read on the iceberg, I was like, uh, 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 to target Gary. I just couldn't get through. It. Oh, it's, I do it. All, 
I I do it all the time. I just am dumb, you know. It it, it, it <laughs> took me like it took me like twelve years just to get through a four year college degree. So and you we know, both came from Appalachia that we didn't have a chance. Let's that is true. There is something in the water over there. It's called you know diseases. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. the water in Flea Bottom might actually be better than I was the about water. To say, we might in, be the Flea in the Rust Belt of America. <laughs> All right. I mean, at Flint, Michigan, that's just north from where I grew up, you know, and Oof. it's like real. It's real bad there. So who knows what it's like in a, in Ohio? Downward stream is carrying. <sighs> yeah. So yeah. Ultimately, I'm gonna say no on Sir Duncan the Tall being a Targaryen. I'm uh, I'm with you here. Uh, you know, we could leave that up to speculation. Never have it confirmed, but I don't think it does much for Dunk's story, to be honest. Yeah. So, all right, uh, we'll move into the next one here, and uh, you're doing this one, Jimmy. Yeah, so the next one here on Tier 5 Iceberg is Duncan is warned about Summerhall in the Mystery Night. Uh, (laughs) Here we go, here we go. go. All right, Duncan is warned about Summerhall in the Mystery Night. Underleaf says this to Dunk in the Mystery Night. I did not ask. Sir Ulther filled his cup again. Uther. I, Uther, thank you. There. See? See? Okay, all right. I'll give you the, you know. I appreciate it. <laughs> I did not ask Sir Uther filled his cup again. I think you have more enemies than you know, Sir Duncan. How not? There are some who would say you were the cause of all our woes. Dunk felt a cold hand on his heart. Say what you mean. The snail shrugged. I may not have been at Ashford Meadow, but jousting is my bread and salt. I follow attorneys from afar as faithfully as maesters follow stars. I know how a certain hedge knight became the cause of a trial of seven at Ashford Meadow, resulting in the death of Baylor Breakspear at his brother Makar's hand. Sir Uther seated himself and stretched his legs out. Prince Baylor was well-loved. The bright prince had friends as well. Friends who will not have forgotten the cause of his exile. Think on my offer, sir. The snail may leave a trail of slime behind him, but a little slime will do a man no harm. Wildest, if you dance with dragons, you must expect to burn. That is from the Mystery Night. The world of ice and fire, the blood of the dragon gathered in one. Seven eggs to honor the seven gods. Though the king's own septon had worn pyromancers, wildfire flames grew out of control, towering, burned so hot that died. But for the valor of the Lord command the world of ice and fire. And this is and the reason why this is choppy and cut off is because the ink blotched out some of the writing, which we know George did on purpose to continue to keep this mystery alive as he wrote through the Duncan egg no, uh, novellas. But it certainly seems like the snail is hinting at a bigger disaster uh, towards the end of Dunk's story. And may I say that the snail may leave a trail of slime behind him, but a little slime will do a man no harm is a fantastic, fantastic line of prose. I love it. Oh, yeah. That's George R. R. Martin at his finest. It's so good. Now, now you could argue here that simply by being around Targaryens means it's likely bad things are going to happen because bad things seem to happen to just people who surround themselves by dragons or Targaryens, you know, in general, it doesn't necessarily even have to be that, uh, you know, this is leading to summer hall. I mean, just Duncan during the hedge night finds himself being surrounded by Targaryens. He gets thrown in prison. He almost dies. He, you know, I mean, some other people die during that tourney at the, 
trial of seven, right? The, the mm -hmm. attorney there. And then, you know, other bad things happen to him just by being surrounded by egg because people want to get to him. They, you know, as we see in the mystery night. But I think this is more sort of George hinting at Summer Hall. Yeah, I, I, I take it as a a go at Summer Hall just based on while as you dance with the dragons, you must expect to burn and knowing that we're trying to hatch dragon eggs possibly at Summer Hall. And then the fact that uh, he does end up burning, at least that's what we think happens. It seems pretty, pretty on the nose. And we do know that George likes to leave early breadcrumbs for things that come far, far, far later. Uh, it has been said that somewhere in a Game of Thrones, there is a line that predicts or that has some sort of context for the last paragraph of the entire series. And he's actually written that last paragraph. Um, that's an interesting detail that when Daniel Abraham, another author, he co-wrote The Expanse, he was doing the graphic novels for George for Game of Thrones. And he obviously is adapting it. So they're taking out some of the lines, changing some of the scenes. And apparently there was a line from Tyrion that George said, oh, no, you can't take that line out. It's the key to the whole series. Wow. And I think this is one of those times where, you know, again, if we're looking at this from 20 years since this was published, it's like, OK, everybody knows that Summer Hall, what probably happens and the theories around it. But George leaving this 20 years ago, this would have been read right over, right? Some fancy words, Dance of Dragons. We've heard this all before, Fire and Blood, whatever. But now looking back on it over 20 years, we start to see that, you know, where the story might end up. I, th I think this is foreshadowing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting about this line, because I would imagine that George is writing this in a time period in which he still thinks he's not going to be... He, I don't think he thought, oh, hey, I'm not going to end up touching any of my books for the next 10 years, <laughs> right? When, when he when he was writing this. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of something to take into consideration. And he was also writing this at a time, you know, this uh, the mystery night is sort of in proximity with A Feast for Crows, I believe, and then a dance, with, you know, leading into A Dance of Dragons. But a lot of A Dance of Dragons is leftover from A Feast of Crows. Mm -hmm. so you know you're thinking about bran meeting cold hands who we yeah. as we already discussed might be sir duncan the tall <clears throat> so that's some of that stuff you got to take into consideration because when we meet cold hands he describes blood raven as a friend and when we meet maynard plum in this same mystery night story who is it you know a friend so you might also consider some of that there. Dunk might end up at Summerhall getting very burnt himself. I don't think, you know, we've, we've sort of talked about the idea of him surviving, but we haven't talked about the idea of he might be burnt, he might be disfigured. If half the royal family's dead, he might also, he maybe he sees something in the flames. Maybe I mean, you know, we've we've sort of thought about R'hllor being slightly different than the Three-Eyed Crow. We don't know that they aren't somehow connected or that Dunk couldn't also see things in the flames. And or maybe Blood Raven speaks to him or something. Yeah. And definitely. that's another reason for him to go north. Maybe Dunk doesn't. Maybe when we think Dunk goes to the wall, he might actually just go beyond the wall straight, like straight ahead. Maybe, he, you know, <clears throat> we don't know exactly. Yeah, and there's also been people who have talked about how uh, cold hands in the books, his hands are described as ice cold and completely black from congealed blood. Some people have said, well, maybe his hands were burnt 
prior yeah. to this. Um, the only thing that makes me feel like the person did serve at the Night's Watch, whoever cold hands his is, cloak. Yeah, is the fact that he calls Sam brother and he's wearing a black cloak. I mean, it That's feels true. like true. a shot towards the towards towards the Night's Watch. But who's to say, you know, Dunk didn't pick up a cloak on the way through? You know, I'm going to make this work, Matt, one way or the other. I think it's an, you know, now I need to, now I need to think about blood Raven. Is he described as wearing a cloak as the three eyed Raven? Um, I'm not sure. In the show, he definitely is. I gotta look, I gotta look at this up. I, or is he just like so disfigured? Cause he could just be wearing he's blood like Raven's cloak. He, so. yeah i think he is he yeah he's still wearing he's still wearing all black so he's still wearing like his own yes his black clothing and a werewood throne of entangled roots yep his skin right. is white aside from a red blotch on his neck correct, and cheek correct. Just, plum. yeah i just wanted to think about the book description of him because i know in the show obviously he does but the book description he, i remember he was described as like just being like very well into the tree so yeah um so i guess that is true if if it is likely that cold hands, if he is Duncan the Tall, did serve at the Night's Watch. Yeah. So. So maybe he goes. So he it's pot. So then his story is probably he survives Summer Hall. I think does get injured in the process because I mean it talks about him getting him getting burnt. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I think it very much could be that Dunk's end is just right there at Summer Hall. Um, I know we uh, spent an hour last week <laughs> convincing everyone the cold hands was Dunk, but the other likely scenario is that Dunk simply does meet his end and gets burned while dancing with the dragons. Well, getting burned doesn't mean that you die. Well, that's true. It just means you're getting burned. That, if, I, if there's anything WWF wrestling taught me, um, <laughs> is that you can live through it because Kane did. Okay. Exactly. Yes, you can get burnt and and survive. Okay. Right. Um, I mean, the other, the other thing obviously would just make bad things happen to you, right? It's just like by being, you know, yes. I mean, look at what happened to Tanzel, look at what happened to Baylor yeah. Breakspear, look at what happens. I mean, to, well, I mean, he doesn't really make friends with John the Fiddler, aka Damon Blackfire the second, of course, but you know, I mean, bad, we do know more bad things are going to happen. Yeah, and, at, and at, one could argue that story. even if it's not Targaryens, right? Just being near the throne and being near rulers, like it's just the way of this land. I mean, I don't think that the Baratheons and the Lannisters are any less dramatic, maybe minus dragons, uh, at this point. Right. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. Okay. Now on to uh this one's a little bit longer, and this Good one, one is really good and one of the best theories i found i found this on reddit um so i'm just going to read it uh, as they have it typed here so what happens to the dragon egg in the mystery night so at the end during the, the mystery night we know that is the breaking down of the second blackfire rebellion but there is this dragon egg that was presented you know as, as a as a prize and you know all of these things so what happens to it so we know that Lord Butterwell has an egg that was supposed to be given to the mystery knight who had dreams of a dragon hatching. The dragon's egg, is that the champ's, champion's prize? Truly, the last dragon had perished half a century ago. Sir Arlen had, seen, had once seen a clutch of her eggs, though. They were as hard as stone, he said, but beautiful to look upon. The old man had told Dunk, how could Lord Butterwell come by a dragon's egg? 
King Aegon presented the egg to his father's father after guesting for a night at his old castle, said Maynard Plum. Was it a reward for some act of valor? asked Dunk. Sir Kyle chuckled. Some might call it that. Supposedly, old Lord Butterwell had three young maiden daughters with his grace when his grace came calling. By morning, all three had royal bastards in their little bellies. A hot night's work that was. That's from the mystery night. Uh, a dragon would, the prince insisted, the egg will hatch. He dreamed it, just as he once dreamed his brother's dead. A living dragon will win us all the swords that we would want. So uh, instead of instead, the egg is stolen by the dwarfs for Blood Raven. Who took the dragon's egg? There were guards at the door and more guards on the steps. No way anyone could have gotten into Lord Butterwell's bedchamber unobserved. Lord R Rivers smiled. Were I to guess, I'd say someone climbed up inside the privy shaft. The privy shaft was too small to climb. For a man, a, a child could do it. Or a dwarf, Dunk blurted. A thousand eyes and one. Why shouldn't some of them belong to a troop of comic dwarfs? And so we also know that he did not have one before. I saw the dragon egg. Dunk squirreled um, the food away with their hard bread and salt beef. It was red mostly. Does Lord Bloodraven own a dragon's egg as well? Egg lowered the book. Why would he? He's a baseborn. Uh, so continuing on here. So we've established that Bloodraven has an egg. And while it's possible the egg made him leave it behind when he was banished to the wall or Estola, I think it's much more likely that he had it with him, as well as Dark Sister, when he headed north or even when he disappeared, ranging in 252. But that begs the question, where is the egg now? So this is a couple ideas that uh, this person proposed. Uh, a dragon north of the wall. Bloodraven is obviously tied to the events surrounding the others, children of the forest, and is a known sorcerer whose mother's house not only worshiped the old gods, but is half Targaryen as well. So it's possible this egg hatching is what the other, you know, is what the others, you know, riding a dragon in like what we saw in the show, the night, the night King doing is based on, uh, you know, possible, but it's unlikely, uh, but certainly a possibility. So the other, possibility um is euron Greyjoy. so we know that euron paid the faceless man to kill balon um with a dragon's egg beside the embers of their campfire she saw tom lem and greenbeard talking to a tiny little woman a foot shorter than aria and older than old nan all stooped and wrinkled and leaning on a gnarled black cane her hair was white uh, her white hair was so long it came almost to the ground. When the wind gusted, it blew around her head in a fine cloud. Her flesh was whiter than the color of milk, and it seemed to Arya that her eyes were red, though some of it was hard to tell from the bushes. The old gods stir and will not let me sleep, she said. She heard the woman say. I dreamt I saw a shadow with a burning height heart butchered on a golden stag i dreamt of a man without a face waiting on a bridge that swayed and swung on his shoulder perched a drowned crow with seaweed hanging from his wings i dreamt of a roaring river with a woman that was a fish dead she drifted with red tears on her cheeks but when her eyes did open oh i woke from a terror all this i dreamt and more do you have gifts for me to pay me for my dreams it's from aria for a storm of swords talking to the ghost of high heart 
Then uh, continuing on here, this is from Catelyn Five in A Storm of Swords. Balon Greyjoy, Cat Catelyn's heart skipped a beat. You're telling us that Balon Greyjoy is dead. The shabby little captain nodded. You know how Pike's built on a headland, that part of the rocks and islands off the shore with bridges between? The way I heard it in Lordsport, there was a blow coming from the wind uh, in the west, rain and thunder, and it killed. And the old king Balon was crossing one of them bridges when the wind got a hold of it and just tore the thing to pieces. He washed up two days later, all bloated and broken. Crabs ate his eyes, I hear. Uh, this is from A Feast for Crows, the Reaver chapter. Victarion shuddered. Show, show me this dragon's egg. I threw it in the sea during one of my dark moods. Euron gave a shrug. It it comes to me that the reader was not wrong. Too large. Too large a fleet could never hold together over such a distance. The voyage is too long, too perilous. Only our finest ships and crews could hope to sail to Slaver's Bay and back the Iron Fleet. Obviously, Euron is well-traveled, having been to Valyria, Ashai, and acquiring things like glass candles, Valyrian steel armor. But where did he get this dragon egg? We also know that the imagery around Euron, a.k.a. the Crow's Eye, is very tied to the imagery found around Bloodraven. It's also possible that Euron was at least contacted by Bloodraven. Bran looked at the Crow on his shoulder, and the Crow looked back. It had three eyes, and the third was full of terrible knowledge. Bran looked down. There was nothing below him now but snow and cold and death. <clears throat> Excuse me. A frozen wasteland where jagged blue-white spears of ice wanted to embrace him. They flew up at him like spears. He saw the bones of a thousand other dreamers impaled on their points. He was desperately afraid. That's from Brand 3, A Game of Thrones. Uh, the crow's eye had taken Lord Hewitt's bedchamber along with his bastard daughter. When he entered, the girl was sprawled naked on the bed, snoring softly. Euron stood by the window, drinking from a silver cup. He wore a sable cloak from the Black Tide, his red leather eye patch, his red, his red leather eye patch, and nothing else. When I was a boy, I dreamt that I could fly, he announced. When I woke, I couldn't. Or so the maester said, but what if he lied? Victorian could smell the sea through the open window. The room stank of wine and blood and sex. The cold, salt air helped clear his head. What do you mean? Euron turned to face him. His bruised blue lips curled half a smile. Perhaps we can fly, all of us. How will we ever know unless we leap from some tall tower? The wind came gusting through the window and stirred his sable cloak. There was something obscene about and disturbing about his nakedness. No man ever truly knows what he can do unless he dares to leap. A Feast for Crows, The Reaver. So this is kind of insinuating that there is a connection between the Three-Eyed Crow and Euron. And through that connection, Euron ends up getting that dragon egg. Yes. So uh, Yeah. I'm going to tell you what. I think it's a hundred percent that like, this is one of those things I feel very confident about. I feel like Euron has absolutely been contacted by the three eyed crow. I think uh, just talking about flying and the dreams and all of this is pretty big indicator, but also on his shoulder perched a drowned crow with seaweed hanging from its, his wings. The crow is such an obvious sign. I think uh, that, that Euron in some way, shape or form has been connected with the three eyed crow. Uh, even if it comes out as something like where maybe the three-eyed crow wanted Euron, but Euron didn't do exactly what he wanted and Euron went his own way because he's a sociopath or whatever else it might be. 
Um, maybe more of a psychopath. But either way, I could see that maybe Euron was on the docket and then it passed the brand because Euron wasn't capable or wasn't able to do it. Or, or Euron is currently being used by the Three-Eyed Crow. And the Three-Eyed Crow has even more motivations that we do not know about. And that brand is just one piece of this puzzle. I, I love this. I think this is like the best stuff. And this is why I love um, the the uh, last books that we got, Feast for Crows and A Dance of Dragons. I think there's so much there with the Three-Eyed Crow, Bran, and Euron that uh, we could take a longer look at these things and try to piece together what's about to happen. But the Dragon Egg is an interesting uh, end goal here, or at least an end point of this connection. I don't know where Euron would have gotten the egg. I don't think he's been north of the wall, if I'm being honest. But is it possible that Blood Raven sent the egg somewhere else before he went? Like maybe, absolutely. Maybe, yeah, maybe Blood Raven sent it to a shy, to somebody in shy, and that's where Euron picked it up. Who knows? But I do think it's uh, not likely that Euron threw it over the side of his ship in a fit of rage. I definitely think he paid the faceless men with the dragon egg for sure. Yeah, it could be, and it could be the same egg. It could be another egg. We know that there are so many dragon eggs unaccounted yeah. for. Whether or not there is one north of the wall, perhaps that Blood Raven took with him. I think I don't think for a second that Blood Raven, if he wanted to go to the wall with a dragon's egg, he did. There's zero chance that he went without one. If he I was mean, like, I'm. Yeah, he's like, I'm taking I'm taking this with me because I just don't see anybody stopping him from doing no. it. And I mean, fact, <laughs> yeah, I would argue that the only way he got sent to the wall is because he wanted to be sent to the wall. A hundred percent. Yeah, he he 100 percent wanted to be wanted to be sent there. I feel like it's very much I feel like Blood Raven going to the wall was a Rhaegar moment, you know, even though mm -hmm. Rhaegar's moment may have also been influenced by blood by Blood Raven. Um right. But I very much think it was a Blood Raven saw something or learned something through his sorcery or just studies or, you know, his spy network or something. But Blood Raven learned that there was a much bigger threat that existed north of the wall. And it was it was the the key to defending Westeros and preserving the realm and everything. And I, I feel like also at that point point. One, two things do actually happen when he when when he kills Amy's Blackfire and he goes to the wall. Really, the the blood, the Blackfire Rebellion kind of ends. So, yeah. I mean, there is really no more threat of a Blackfire Rebellion that had been persisting for these, you know, for all of these years. He had been putting down essentially he essentially was the one putting them down one by one. Yeah. So, I mean, we think there might be one in the main series now with young Griff perhaps being a Blackfire, but he's not coming over under the, I'm a Blackfire trying to take out the Targaryens banner. He's doing it, you know, his own way. But when, so blood Raven ha is looking at this thinking, all right, I think the Blackfire rebellions are pretty much over. We don't really have any other large threats facing us. So then he, somehow learn something goes to the wall and i think he definitely takes dark sister with him and he takes this dragon's egg yeah i like the idea of dark sister going with him for sure and someone might say well why did he because uh, we know that he decapitates uh and basically ends the blackfire rebellion right and yeah and he's blackfire out. steps off the steps off the boat to be to uh, give himself as one of these potential uh candidates to 
you know, in the council where egg is actually chosen, he presents himself as he wants to come off the boat and say, Hey, I'm a potential candidate and blood, blood Raven's like, Nope, killed. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like, a wild scene. Yeah. Like we don't know exactly all the drama that went around it, but just hearing the facts of the matter, it's like, Blood Raven's kind of a badass. All I know is that is going to be one of the most Game of Thrones ever scenes if we get to see that in oh, a TV please. show someday. I mean, please. that is that like there is like you think about like what make what made the original show and even now as we're seeing a House of the Dragon, like those shock moments. That is going to be one of them in the day we ever get to see that on TV. And I'm 100 percent sure we will. Um, well, assuming these writer strikes end at, at some point, but. It, uh, so of uh Damon chopping off exactly Vayman uh yeah Vayman's head with his yes ex- out. yeah it's a very much it's very much a moment like that so if Blood Raven does take this dragon's egg to the wall but we'll we'll come back to the Euron thing here in a second but just that in itself if there is a dragon's egg perhaps in that cave what do we think Jimmy is potentially happen with that egg. Well, I don't know. I mean, the children of the forest seem to be there. Have they went and hit it somewhere and hit it away? And I don't, I don't know. I do love the idea of that being like a way for the others to end up having a dragon. I think that that is a really, really cool thing. And it's like this ice dragon, which then loosely pays homage to George's children's novel, uh, the ice dragon, which by the way, I just got a signed copy of and it is so cool. Like I already had the, yeah, it's a different version than the one me and you have. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it might be a UK version, but it's signed. Uh, Okay. Uh, and I was reading through it and I was just thinking about ice dragons the other day. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that would be pretty neat. I just don't know what it's like, where it would be and who's going to fall upon it. Like is brand going to find it. Yeah. The only I'm now that we're, we're talking about this a little bit more. I, this may have been something that was planned and with the time skip and then it realized, uh Oh, this, no, this isn't going to work because yeah. I mean, you think about how quick, how, I mean, really it's only about three years, right. Mm-hmm. that that take place in between like a game of thrones to where we're at now in a dance of dragons yeah i think it's three so three. i mean yeah. so for an so if it hatches it would have to almost hatch in winds of winter and then be like a threat in the in a dream of spring if it is like a, if it ends up being an ice dragon or even just another dragon that could actually do something mm-hmm. it would have to it would have to hatch I- pretty quickly unless it has already hatched that's what I was made and was hatched of. long ago. It could be living up in the lands of always winter and living in the tribe of white walkers that we believe exists up there. Yeah, maybe unless there was like the other thing could be maybe that dragon egg got stolen. I don't know how it would make it north of the wall, but it's <laughs> like, but if it, you know, I mean, like in theory, if that happened, then that could be a reason where blood ravens like, uh Oh, <laughs> we like we've got a we've got a real bad scenario here yeah and who's to say that maybe the black fire boat came over and uh you know blood raven decapitated Annie's and or was it Annie's i mean we also don't we all i think it's Annie's black fire I, I think so and who's to say he the ship didn't turn around and go back and he said oh wait before you go well, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the other option is we don't know what really happens with Shara Seastar. She also just kind of goes missing. She sure does. She sure and does. She she could have stolen it from Bloodraven. 
is there a league of like secret members that have kept this dragon egg juggling throughout Westeros and Essos? Like, you know what I mean? Like just a, a, a uh, pledged line to blood Raven. Yeah. How interesting would that be? So do you think it's more likely that this egg went to the wall with, with blood Raven? Or do you think this is potentially one of the eggs that was at summer hall? Or do you think it's just a free agent still out there? Oh man. That's a tough one. I mean, it, I think it's a free agent in the sense that we don't know who's going to use it. I like the idea of it. Maybe I don't like, but I think the idea of it being north of the wall is really compelling because let's say the White Walkers come, Daenerys heads over with her three dragons. Like there has to be some sort of countermeasure. And I think so. George does reuse things in his stories, whether it be tropes or characteristics of his of his characters. And I could see him wanting to put an ice dragon into his story because even like today, not a ton of fantasy stories have ice dragons in them. So it's still kind of unique, like thinking from a creative perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of there being uh, an opposite to Daenerys's firepower. So I, I would like it to be that he took it to the wall and they're they're on something happens and also we have to question what what is going on with the three-eyed crow and you're on like why is he being contacted yeah. and manipulated I, I think it is fairly straightforward that Euron has at least been uh given some sort of dreams from the three-eyed crow yeah i think i'm i'm uh starting to think here a little bit that Euron, you know when you look at some of those quotes that this is going to perhaps Euron was shown some of these things as a three-eyed crow and it's influenced him to not to not only want to be like king right like in the show the euron's like i just want to marry danny or i want to marry cersei and yeah. that is kind of you know some of his story that's going on but i think he is looking to like a much bigger much more powerful he must be a power god. exactly and i think it's because he was shown these powers and then he realized he wasn't going to get them so you're on if you look at some of the things he he talks about, like we should jump from a tower. Well, that is essentially what happens. That is what opens up Bran's third eye. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen when Euron finds out? Because I think it will happen at some point that Euron finds out that Bran is actually the one who was chosen over him. Oh, my God. And where is Euron at the end of Dance of Dragons? Yeah, he's at Old Town. Yep. Now, I believe Old Town has a tower. Yep. <laughs> and I believe right here in a Feast for Crows, it says, perhaps we can fly all of us. How will we ever know unless we leap from some tall tower? Yeah. Oh, shit. So, yeah, I, think he, I, I mean, Euron's going to survive. I mean, he's going to somehow survive that that leap. If he does if he decide. Does, just... What if he leaps and he just dies? <laughs> That would be that would be very Game of Thrones, but it would also be, be like, George. what did that? Yeah, that if that. No, I, I mean, because we've talked about it and. You know, like we're, we're we're two books left and we've yet to meet a Night King character. Yeah, and I mean, we, we kind of there's going to have. Yeah, there's going to have to be some sort of leader or something that controls or, or, or something that 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 does. That, you know, you need a still a central figure to the White Walkers, whether it's just a god and it could be, hey, we have to challenge a god or or something. You're going to need that figure to sort of be the reason the, the controlling thing of that threat. 
I think that there could be a, a something controlling it, but not necessarily a personality or a character. Uh, and what that would be, I don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, but I think the Night King was very Hollywood. Like Hollywood needs the big face of the antagonist that they can stick opposite of Jon Snow on a t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like every superhero right. movie, right? There's always like the main villain. I don't know if it's going to be like that, that Night King-esque figure. However, I That's why I think see... it could be Euron. Well, yeah, and, and that's where I'm going. I think that Euron could be someone that uses the White Walkers to his advantage, like to then kind of reset the world, this apocalypse, and then he becomes the god of it all. And I, I just have held on to the fact that I feel like the White Walkers are going to be way more nuanced in the books, like like having their own culture and everything. And like, and we've talked and right. And we've talked about that as well. I mean, really, if you just look at the, like, there is a big difference between the book and show version of them. Yeah. If you just look at the book versions, they seem way more intel. Like they seem to actually have intelligence. Yes. Whereas the show, they just are sort of zombies and like super zombies, but the books they have, they seem like they're self-aware. They seem like there's things going on. And we get a little bit of that in the show. But the books, they're way, there's way more to them than just perhaps these kind of like ice zombies. Uh, you know, like, so I'm yeah. with you in that I do. I think that Euron is going to end up being essentially that big bad. Because he's still, I, I don't, the what we saw in the show with like Arya killing the Night King and then they all sort of die. I kind of think something like that might still happen as like you, you take out like one villain and then like it may not kill them all or something, but it maybe they go back north or however, however you want to do it. But I, I otherwise you're just going to be like, we just are fighting waves and waves of these things. And like, how's that gonna, you know, like how's, how's that going to work? Yeah, I think so. This has always been my thought is that in the books, I think that the lack of urgency around the threat is going to be the big push for it looking like it's over for our protagonist. So in the show, how Cersei just writes it all off and doesn't help. And then she's fine. Like, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Right. I think I think, in fact, the the ignorance and the arrogance towards the threat is actually going to cost far, far more damage than the final battle will. And then. I also think that the dragons are going to be way more central in the uh, in the battle than they were in the show. And I think that those will have a massive impact. And this kind of goes back when me and you were I asked the question whether Bran could influence Danny if she's an Essos and like can Bran or the three eyed crow entity can can it account for Danny? Because if Danny is out of the purview, I, it just doesn't seem okay. like it could, like maybe she is the X factor like. They're doing all this preparation and they have Bran and then Euron's making moves. And then all of a sudden Danny, who is like, you know, this crazy, almost godlike entity of the three eyed crow couldn't account for this person, this X factor. And that makes yeah. Danny super special. So, dude, I don't know. There's so many ways it could go. And I just want to find out what the hell it is. <laughs> and I don't even think no, all right. gives us that answer. Like, no. when's the winter? I think we, we get the uh, White Walkers at the end coming down. Uh, into Westeros, but I think very much a dream for a dream of spring would be that battle and the yeah. fallout of of that. And it's just crazy to think that we've been waiting twelve years for the next book, and we still won't have many of these answers probably in the next one. 
Right. Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at these books, though, like the, the the three novellas we have, each one does introduce significant elements and significant things yes. that play a part of each, you know, preceding book. Right. I mean, you know, we you know, George ties in the fact that like some of the things which we know include, as we already mentioned, like Brienne of Tarth is an actual descendant. There's other yes. people who are likely descendants, which is like the Clegane's and Small Paul and all of these other characters. So like this dragon egg, I feel like does matter. Like George wouldn't have introduced another dragon egg unless he unless he had a unless he of course you know had a had a had a plan for it and it, um, now it could it, it could just be sorry go ahead go ahead i would say it's and it's certainly compelling that the book following was when euron mentioned having an egg like that's very and then talking about seeing the three-eyed crow who is then Brendan rivers i mean it, it does kind of line up and like you said things I, that were mentioned novellas show up in the books like the glamoring that we also i also don't about. know i also don't know that euron because we just sort of we don't know what happened to it. Like it, Blood Raven, of course, could still have it. We know people think that Euron traded it, but that doesn't mean that Euron did. I mean, Euron has Euron's found Valyrian steel armor, and you know he is just over there raiding and pillaging and paying the iron price. He doesn't have to give the the House of Black and White. I'm sure you have to you have to pay a lot, but I don't know that you have to pay a dragon's egg to kill. Even I, whether you want to view him as a king, I mean, he did sort of declare himself king. I don't know that Euron would trade a dragon's egg and of course he says he threw it in the sea which i also don't think you know yeah. is is you know is is accurate so i do however from this like the idea that blood raven tried Euron because it seems like he's tried a lot of people tried jojen i mean he's i mean he's he, that the because bran sees it too in that dream where he sees all these other failed dreamers <laughs> and bran is me? and bran is the one so I do think Blood Raven is going to look at the, or excuse me, Euron is going to look at this and say that's the one you chose because it seems like it's something that's been driving him his entire existence mm -hmm. ever since ever since it happened. And then he feels special, and then he goes out and tries to get these amazing armor from a shy and all this stuff. And there is a large amount of people in the fandom who think Euron is full of shit, who think he right. doesn't have real Valyrian yeah. armor, he never had the dragon egg, and all this is just BS. And I. I think that is also a possibility, like a very real possibility. And maybe he was driven to narcissism because of these dreams. Like maybe it messed with him so much that he felt like he was the chosen one. And in fact, it was a crippled boy in Winterfell instead. And who's to say that maybe the three-eyed crow wasn't trying to influence Euron to help a brand at some point. Right. And, and right. And Euron just didn't. Also keep, also keep in mind the thing that Euron is, you know, Victoria and are, are after right now is a horn that can control dragons. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's not forget about that piece, too. There's a lot there. And I would also like to note that all of this that we're talking about, whenever we talk about like Euron maybe going against what the crow had a vision for him and the fact that there are failed dreamers, that does hint towards there being agency and free will in A Song of Ice and Fire, which we've all had to question knowing that Bran can interact with the timeline. But it does seem like it's more of nudges in the right direction. And not so much that Bran can just like completely redo events. He can only push someone towards it, uh, which I think is more. Uh, that's a better story. I think having agency for the characters and free will makes the story more interesting. Um, that way we can't just say, well, Bran planned it all. See ya. You know, he, he's exactly. trying to put the pieces in place. He's trying to whisper to Theon uh, possibly in, in Winterfell at the end of A Dance of Dragons. He may be whispered to the mad king and messed up 
and made him go mad and therefore killed his grandfather. Possible. Yeah. That's why I love, I really loved the moment in Game of Thrones when Ned is at the Tower of Joy, like the first time Bran sees him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ned kind of turns and looks, you know, after like Bran disappears. I like, I liked that. And I think that's much more likely what we'll see. And then, of course, I think we will see Hodor, the Hodor scene in, in the books as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's one we're going to, we'll have to come back to in like an extended edition on just that because there's just so much there to, yeah. to pull away. But that dragon egg, we don't know what happens and it could go in a lot of different directions. And if you had already, could already be hatched. Yeah. We would yeah, love to hear could've... more theories. Yeah. Cause that one's really good. So, all right, Jimmy, you get the final one here. The final part in tier five and all of the Duncan and guys, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning into this and, and getting all the way through this, these five weeks has really uh, been a lot of fun for us, but this one is the capstone dunk killed Arlen for refusing to knight him. This iceberg starts out wondering if dunk was ever knighted at all, but we end it with the statement that dunk not only was not knighted, but was the cause of death for Sir Arlen. Dunk thinks back to Arlen fondly, but also with what seems to be a, tw- a twinge of regret. His vagueness around the events of his knighting seemed to be a sore spot for him anytime it comes up into his mind. And this theory suggests that after being refused when asking for his knighthood, that Dunk lashed out in a rage, being oversized and not knowing his full strength, and ended the life of Sir Arlen of Pennytree. We begin the hedge knight with Dunk bearing his mentor, but also covering his crimes matt this is one of the dumbest things i've ever <laughs> i've ever read now did you now did, hold on did you think this theory yourself i forget did you think this theory yourself or did you or did you i have it? seen this before i have seen okay. this before and and honestly uh, the first time i saw it was probably 2000 it was right around fire and blood so when did fire and blood come out 2017 2018 mm-hmm. because that's when i started really getting involved in the online community and I remember someone saying that Dunk killed Arlen. And I was just like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read. And then I swear I saw it somewhere around like season eight as well. But um, I, I don't I don't believe this at all. I think this is super silly. Is it, though? Oh, come on. Come on. Now. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Dunk does lose his temper. He loses his temper. He punches he lo- a Targaryen. He loses his temper and maybe he's standing there in the rain crying, not because because he wanted to be a knight. And he got sent back to Flea Bottom. He said, Dunk, you got to go back to Flea Bottom. You're just not cut out for this, man. I mean, Sir Arlen, you know, he, he said, Sir Arlen touched my shoulder and he said some words. Maybe those words were, you'll never be a knight. And then Dunk was like, we'll see about that. <laughs> confirmed theory is confirmed <laughs> Dunk is a murderer and the ghost of arlen sets summer hall on fire and kills everyone <laughs> hey you know you i mean you, you'll get burned all right if you if you you play with dragons and you, you do imagine? things that true. would be that would be the most absurd thing I feel like that. So this is the kind of theory. I mean, we do know, right. As we talked about, I think our very, you know, our first theory is Sir Duncan might lie about being a knight. And if he's an unreliable narrator, who's to say if he's, he's not a murderer. If he's already a liar, what, yeah. What's to say? He's everyone not a knows that all liars are murderers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that might, that might be one of those things where it's like, 
all murderers are liars but you know it's like the it's like this equals this but not this yeah yeah <laughs> i think this theory is the example of people who don't understand what makes the song of ice and fire great and the way george does his plotting so whenever i hear people crafting theories that are like new to the fandom or just simply don't get it like this is the kind of stuff that they go for it's really sensational it's over the top and at the end of the day is a complete killer for the spirit of what duncan egg is uh which is just a guy trying to do his best that doesn't have anything other than just who he was born to be and this is the kind of stuff that um i see a lot of other fantasy authors also like attempting to do like you know i swerve the swerve i uh i gave a twist and a turn and then another twist and it's just one thing too many here and uh it's a ridiculous theory i do think it's hilarious and it is fun as a thought experiment to think about what if Dunk is just this murderer and he's walking around with a kid. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's he say? So he says Sir Arlen caught a chill and three days later he was dead. I now, I mean, what if Dunk Dunk not being a good caregiver could have also killed him? I think Dunk. He's like, I think we should I think we should keep going to this tourney. And Arlen's like, I need to rest. And Dunk's like, that's not very nightly. And then <laughs> Night, <laughs> and he just puts old nights, man on ice. That's night, crazy. Nights, nights don't get sick, you know. <laughs> old men do, and just buried him six feet deep. I mean, we don't know what happened moments before the opening of the hedge night. That's all I'm saying. If you look at the, I think I have it here. Let me get it pulled up. But if you look at the, um, the, the let me pull up the graphic novel because I've got, I've got it here. Uh, let me just find it. But. um Oh, somewhere I thought I did. Maybe I don't. Uh, but anyway, yeah. The, in the in the graphic novel, it's like a very it's a very good pictures uh, of it. I mean, Sir Arlen doesn't look that dead. Looks like it looks pretty fresh. <laughs> so I mean, you know, what he just. I mean, how did did he? I'm just saying, Duncan's just, a temper. He, Maybe he lost a little bit, hit him, and then, boop. And then just down goes the old man. You're just you're you're dead. It's just. Here we go. Let me get it. Let me get it pulled up here. Uh, he's, you know, I thought it would be different as, you know, let me, let me, I'll share it. I'll share this here. Share screen. You know, I thought it would be different. So <laughs> died the way he lived as a hedge knight. So he, hold on. Did he die? From a chill, or did he did he die as a knight? And people would think a knight would die in combat. I think these pieces are starting to add up. I think I think Dunk might be the OJ Simpson of Westeros. Yeah, he died. I thought it would be different. Sir Arlen died the way he lived as a hedge knight, riding from keep to keep, taking service with this lord and that lord, fighting in their battles <laughs> and, and eating the halls until they were done. Then moving on, there were tourneys from time to time as well. By the way, the graphic novel, the graphic novels are excellent. They're so for good. for these. And at some point, I'd really love to dive into the Game of Thrones ones, uh, you know, like just the uh, Song of Ice, the main series ones, because I've never really done it. But I've seen clips uh, like pictures here and there, and they all look really good. Yeah, they do look really, really good. And I think this would I think this is another uh, good way to uh, check the, check that out as well. So I do I do want to check that uh, dive into that. I think there's another one, too, where he's actually burying him. Yeah, right here. After he murdered him, clearly. 
Yeah, I mean, let me get this pulled up here. And, you know, the, it's difficult to take this, too, you know. The fourth day, the old man was too weak to ride, and now he's gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think buried in a pathetic grave without even accepting to say some prayers over him. Only me. You know, when you read it with a little more tone, it sounds a lot more. It's a little serious. Devious. Yeah. I, think I, that, I wish I wish you didn't die, sir. You know, I, if you ignited me, I you wouldn't have had to die. Yeah, it would have been pretty straightforward. And with no one out here, not even a, a, a septon or a maester or anything, no one knows what happened. No one's going to hear yeah. you scream. Yeah, but Sir Arlen used to watch the sunset and say to me, another day done, and who knows what will, the morrow will bring us, eh, Dunk? Well, one morrow brought the rains, and one after that brought wet, gusty winds, and next the chill. You know, and then look, he continues on. And then the final things he thinks about what it brought was me. Okay. You know, <laughs> I think, I think we need to really reevaluate Duncan, the, uh, the novellas, you know, at the end. Well, of the I mean, it, it seems like he's one of the ones that's responsible for killing half the Royal family. So what's to say he didn't kill Sir Arlen. <sighs> yeah. He had enough anger in him to punch a Targaryen. I mean, come yeah, on. he does. He loses his temper and punches a prince. You can't do that. A lot of people die around dunk. That's true. I mean, Mysterious. look at Sir Arlen in the picture there. I mean, he looks he like that. He does. I mean, he, he doesn't look Look, in here. He's just kicking the dirt in. He's not he's even shoveling. Blow, you know what I mean? Like He's, been he's not even like he's got a shovel here. OK, in this. See this picture down here. See this. He's got a shovel, but here he is kicking in the dirt. Is there blood on that's, that level? That, that's not even pretty. That's not even respectful. <laughs> I don't know. I think Dunk, Dunk might be a scumbag at the end of this. This is a crazy. Right. And look at here. Some of the last things he's thinking. You are a, you are a true knight and you and you never beat me when I didn't deserve it. <laughs> except except that one time in Maidenpool. Well, I guess you know, so it's like the last thing he's thinking about as he's burying him is, yeah, you know, he was good except for that one time he beat me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, now we have intent. <laughs> <laughs> We know he's lying about being a knight. He gets aggressive you know and, scary, punches but... and, and punches a Targaryen prince so he can't control himself. And here he is thinking about all the times that Sir Arlen beat him. This is exactly what I never I think it to. was dunk with the shovel in <laughs> the woods. <laughs> he's not so... only he's not only covering up, you know his lie about being a knight. He's not only covering up his grave, he's covering up the fact that he killed him. He's a cover-up artist. This then he might go to go into the justice see, system. <laughs> then he might go to, then he, then he covers up the fact that he survived a summer hall and goes north and becomes cold hint. See, now we've uncovered the whole deal. I now, think see, now we will place here at the end of the iceberg. Yeah. So this is tier five and tier five. You got to, you know, you got to get as ridiculous as possible. Yeah. You got to dig deep, but honestly, this is a good example. I never want to have to dig that deep to find Sir Arlen. He's not even six feet down. <laughs> you can create a narrative around anyone and make them look bad. You know what I mean? Like if you really yeah, try yeah. and poor dunk right now, like I'm half, I'm, I'm scared of him now. I don't know. I don't know if I want him hanging around egg. Yeah. It was it was the inn boy who who ate the widow's the widow woman's pie, not me. I told you it. <laughs> I told I you mean, bastard. Just, just laying it. It in. don't matter now. The gods keep you, sir. I mean, wow. I mean, look. And if you zoom in, can I zoom in here? It might yeah. look kind of weird on the screen. 
Hard I mean, a hard man. <laughs> there's the face. There's the face. He look. He's got a little. It's almost like he's got a smile. Face of a murderer. So, anywho, there now we go. Lost all of the listeners at this. Point. All credibility. It's <laughs> all gone. Oh man, that's what tier five does. It, we 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 look at the the craziest of the crazy. We really do, and 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 it is a fun thought experiment. Yeah. So, anywho, with that, that is our night of the seven kingdoms iceberg you know when we get fire and blood part two which might actually be the first thing we get of any of the upcoming knowledge i mean yeah well i don't know that we'll get duncan the tall knowledge and winds of winter unless we do unless we do you know get more confirmation that he's cold hands that's the only way i think honestly because I'm going to have to imagine that when House of the Dragon season two comes out and House of the Dragon continues to be as successful as it is that, you know, the publishers and everything are going to be saying, hey, we need some more of this Targaryen stuff. So they're going to want, I would imagine, you know, Fire and Blood part two. So that might be where we get it first, even though George has said, you know, we'll, we'll see other things first. But of course, we'll have to wait and see. So until then, all we can do is speculate until we get the show, which might do a pull a game of thrones and fly past what George has written. It's possible. I actually, I think it's likely to be honest. I, I think it's likely too. So anyway, that is it. That is our night of the seven kingdoms thing. So next week we will be back in the reread and I had to pull up exactly where we were. Cause we're it's on been a John little bit two or three two. Yeah. John two, which is chapter 15 of a storm of swords. And we'll be rocking that pretty much until House of the Dragon season two comes out. I'm guessing sometime early next year. Yeah. In the next five years, at least. Exactly. With that writer strike. So anyway, as always, guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And as I said, next week, we will be back into the reread diving into John two of a storm of swords. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendtheneepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember that winter is coming.